In this episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with Vicky Bruce of McLean and Bruce, and they are a top whisky tour company based here in Scotland. Now, McLean and Bruce only deal with luxury tours, so every single tour is bespoke. So I found it fascinating to speak with Vicky on how she has grown that business and how she can market a business where every single product is bespoke and nothing is set in stone. So this is an episode, if you run bespoke tours, that you do not want to miss. Thank you for joining us. Glad thank you, thank you. Glad to see not too many people have left. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you coming along. And thank you for having me. From Dunfermline, I believe. Yes, absolutely. Through the, through the fog and the rain and the winds. And <laughs> no, it was absolutely fine. So you've been in the sort of whiskey industry for well over 10 years, I believe. Um, no, you worked with the, the Adelphi distillery before yep. prior to that. Yep. So just so people get a better understanding of yourself, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became involved with Charles and, and created McLean and Bruce. Well, originally, I, I'm from southwest Scotland and my parents had a farm and farming is not the most lucrative of of, uh, of uh, industries, so they diversified over the, the sort of 1980s, um, and they turned all their holiday properties, uh, all their, their outbuildings into holiday properties, so I was really brought up in, in the hospitality industry. My mum's Irish, and incredibly sort of warm and generous, and, and so hospitality was very much part of, of, of my sort of my childhood, really. And uh, then I married my husband, who works for Adelphi, which is an independent bottler. And Adelphi actually used to be uh, a dis one of 26 distilleries in Glasgow, uh, fed by Loch Katrin. And I believe it's now, the site of the original distillery, I believe it's now the Glasgow Mosque. I'm pretty sure. Wow. Um, so while I was having my, my children raising a family, uh, I worked part-time for Adelphi in the less glamorous end of the whiskey industry. So there's no visitor centers, it's, it's packaging, bottling, distribution, it's, it's, it's not glamorous at all. But um, I was also doing lots of whiskey festivals, so I met lots of the brand ambassadors and made really good contacts, which have obviously come to fruition now, come to be, to be very useful. And uh, Adelphi exports whiskey all over the world, and one of the markets is, is Monaco. So uh, Alex was going off to do a, a whiskey tasting in Monaco, and I thought it would be really rude not to go with them. So I so, so squeezed myself into that. And we knew Charlie for, 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 from a long time, and uh, he actually advises Adelphi on cask selection and tasting notes and things like that. So he was going, Charlie was going to the Cannes Film Festival with his wife. I'm sure you've all seen The Angel's Chair. It's fantastic. If you haven't, you have to watch it. So Charlie plays a character called Rory McAllister, and he really does play It's the whiskey expert, and he really is, is himself in it. So they were going to the Cannes Film Festival, and we were going to Monaco, and it was the poshest thing I've ever done. And uh, it was great. So we all met up in Monaco, and the, the importer said to me, I'm organizing a trip to Scotland, a whiskey trip for 12 guests next year. Would you be interested in helping me do the Scottish side of it? And I was like, yeah, that sounds great fun. So we put the trip together, and, uh, and that all happened, and that was all great fun, and, and everybody had a great time. And Charlie said, uh, sort of 2 o'clock in the morning over a bottle of whiskey and a packet of fags, said, we should do this as a business. And I was like, that's a brilliant idea. So that, I think, over a bottle of whiskey is really how the, the business started. 
good way to start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as we know, um, whiskey is, is well, it was, it was shown in the trends there. It's becoming even more and more popular now um, over the last few years, and it's only getting bigger. So, but we're also seeing a lot more competition in there in terms of people doing whiskey tours mm -hmm. and tourism, etc. So how how does your business sort of stay at the fore and the, with the types of experiences you offer? How do you always sort of stay ahead of everyone else? Well, I think for once in my life, I was incredibly lucky to be in the right place at the right time because nobody could predict that this this huge surge in, in whiskey popularity for 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 drinking and for investment is a, is a it's one of the mm. biggest investments that that um, that, that people go for now. Um, we didn't know that was going to happen. The industry didn't know that was going to happen. And we were in the right place at the right time. And we had positioned ourselves at the luxury end of the market. So in terms of um, the competition, nobody can really sort of get to where we are because nobody else has got Charlie McLean and, and he is yeah. the best known whiskey expert in the world. So we're, we're kind of unique in that. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of competition, I think that's really healthy. I think it's fantastic. There are so many people doing uh, distillery tours. It's, it's all the better for Scotland, better for the whiskey industry, better for the, the tourism industry. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, not, we're not concerned by that. Um, and in the seven years that we've been going, we've really nurtured our relationships with distilleries. We've nurtured our relationships with other Scottish suppliers with uh, a lot of the clientele that we have, have taken a long time to, to come to fruition, if you like, because it's about, in certain cultures, particularly in Asia, it's about nurturing a relationship um, before they will commit to business. So we've, 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 had, we've had a lot of sort of irons that have been in the fire for a really long time. And, and they, they, that all did start to sort of, uh, the reap the benefits, I suppose, a few years ago when suddenly this huge upsurge in, in the popularity of whiskey all you know, sort of burst to yeah, life, yeah. if you like. And it's, it's great, it's very exciting. A lot of the distilleries have doubled their production and built new visitor centers. And as part of that, um, a lot of distilleries have built private client um, and VIP sections because that's, a, that's where the, there's a, a very interesting growth in the market. It's not, I mean, there's a, obviously a huge number of mid to high end tours and offerings on the market, but the, the number of private clients coming from overseas for investment purposes, um, and that's bottles and casks, and for the VIP experience, um, that's just continuing to grow. And nobody, nobody can, well, Joshua, <laughs> nobody really knows what's going to happen. <laughs> really love to know if that's okay. <laughs> Chat afterwards. <laughs> I can imagine Japan's going to be a big industry for you guys. Yeah, I mean, the, the markets are, are it, it is, it's very interesting. And I, I'm, I'm not a sort of whiskey expert, but obviously I, I pick up a lot of second-hand knowledge. And Germany, we've got quite a lot of Germans. Uh, Germany's a really strong market. And then for the, the, the investment, it's our, our, our clients are mainly from China, right. mainland China, so and Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where we're, we're, we're now... Again, learning from a trend that we couldn't predict. Uh, maybe we've got too many eggs in that particular mm -hmm. basket and we need to look at sort of North America a little bit more. We do have clients from North South uh, America and Canada and India and Russia and other places, but the, the, our market is predominantly China and that, you know, the coronavirus has taught us a bit of a lesson, mm -hmm. I think, like yeah. probably a lot of companies. 
Yeah, it's affecting everyone. Yeah. Um, so in terms of what you guys produce, you know, obviously you, you mentioned it's more for the luxury market. So what's your process for sort of creating the unique experiences that you have? You know, what's, what's the sort of things you look for when you're, when you're trying to create these experiences? Um, most of our guests, we have, we have, we have uh, a lot of suppliers that we work with regularly and they are the high-end accommodation providers, particularly exclusive use. Um, transport, we've, had, we've used everything from sort of phantoms to Nicholas's Tesla and, <laughs> and you know, not bicycles, but kind of everything in between. Uh, private jets we use quite a lot. Um, so those are, the, those are the backbone elements of putting a, a trip together. And then, what, uh, and then obviously the client will come to us and they're looking for this distillery or that distillery. They want air, they want water, they want scenery, they want castles, gardens, whatever they want. So we, we put the basic um, outline together for them. And then the kind of the unique experiences, which is, they're kind of cliched words, but it's sort of... Um, the, 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 one of the most important parts of what we do in this business really is to try and do things which people couldn't arrange themselves, they couldn't find it on Google, they couldn't get it from another company. And that's a really important part of what we do. It's, um, it's, it's, it's so important that actually the, there's a secondary part to uh, the business which has grown completely organically, which is our suppliers come to us um, and become our clients, which is a really interesting thing which we never anticipated. We didn't, we didn't plan this to happen. So a great example would be Bruce, Broomhall House, which is the, the Bruce family house. So we take our clients there and then they come to us and they say, we've got clients coming, can you do a whiskey tasting or what, what else can you do? Um, and we work with all manner of, of strange people, and uh, we've got a penny farthing expert, for an example. You know, it's like, you know, do you want to do a penny farthing experience? And people are like, no. Um, but, but one day, one day, somebody is going to say yes, and that'll be a happy. Day. I would be up for that. I know, so would I. So would I. Like, this is going to work. But so we're always trying to. You know, we've been we've been in Scotland for our whole lives, and we've got uh, amazing friends and relatives and. Uh, particularly the Bruce's have been in the in the country for a thousand years so they're related to everybody um, and so we call on those so uh, we've done some really beautiful which are very very humble experiences one of which was one of the first ones we did was um, for a client from China and she wanted to go scallop diving and she was a really beautiful lady and I was like it's not really the Seychelles and so instead of going scallop diving, we took her out on a boat on the sound of sleet. And um, the, the guy who owned the boat had, had dredged for scallops the day before, so he had beautiful fresh scallops. He had shabbly hanging over the side of the boat, so nice and chilled. And then he had a little, little barbecue, and he had some garlic butter he'd made and fried the scallops. And there was beautiful sunshine in between the mainland and the Isle of Skye. It was all lovely, and, and everybody was happy. Then he started to play the guatar, and it was like, just doesn't get any more nauseatingly fantastic than this. And that experience kind of sums it up because it's not about the money and it's not about bling, it's about Scotland and friendships and who you know, yeah. really crucially who you know, and using those 
those contacts to, to bring something new to the to the, the guests because the guests they don't want to do the same old thing that everybody else is doing. The you know the Greyfriars courtyard that you you know it's all muddy. They want to be they want to see they want to see these things, but they also want to see off the beaten track. They want another terrible buzzword, authentic experiences. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, everybody says authenticity, you know, it's really important because it really is. That's what people want. That's what they're, they're dying to see. And, you know, we're also in this kind of renaissance period of, of the sort of the Downton Abbey coming, coming, to, coming back to haunt us again. Um, all people from overseas, particularly, particularly America and China, love Downton Abbey. And that's what they want to see. They want to see people in their houses doing their thing. <laughs> so we can do that. It's, it's fine. So it's, pure, it's purely bespoke that you're doing for, for people. It's a hundred percent bespoke. Every every inquiry is completely unique because every client is completely unique. We've never been able to. One of my business partners quite often says, "Why don't you um, just you know reuse uh, itineraries you've already made?" And we have never reused one. We've never been able to reuse an itinerary. So because they want something different. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's, they're very labour intensive. You know. What yeah, we do with our clients. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, part of what you said that leads beautifully into my next question in terms of you're famous for hosting royal guests. And, and, and I know from a marketing point of view, you can't exactly target royals on Facebook ads and things like that. So <laughs> it was all that through word oh, of mouth and through connections and things like that. So, Well, so the, the story that I first told you about um, going to Monaco to do the whiskey tasting and then uh, arranging the tour for that group, that group was... His Serene Highness Prince Albert of Monaco and his wife. So that was um, that was interesting to say the least. And um, in turn, looking back on it now with the benefit of hindsight, I was so naive, <laughs> so so incredibly naive to just say, "Ah, oh, it'll be fine," because um, the minute it, we started that process, we had the local, regional, national, and international police special branch and the palace protection officers all over it so it was a and and then there's you know obviously the the logistics that come with any group um and then the pressure of dealing with a, a sort of very very vip group with their discretionary privacy requirements it was uh, it was a very but that was that was the bar that that was set that was you know let's do this for other maybe not royals but let's do it for for other um high net worths ultra high net worths and and that's yeah, that was that was the starting point. But we didn't find them. We didn't find them on Facebook. Well, I'm sure they're on Facebook. If you look at <laughs> I know one royal that's on Facebook, and we do, we we work with royals in terms of offering that as a, an experience to our our guests rather than the, the royals being our guests. We work with one HRH um, mm -hmm. who will come and and sort of have tea with guests or you know. Dinner or whatever, and oh. that that's that's pretty mind blowing for a lot of people. She's actually uh, the cousin of the Queen and Prince Philip. <laughs> well, I suppose that's very much in the way in, in Japan you go to see a, a geisha and a real like, yeah. it's, it's a similar sort of experience. In it is. Area. I mean, for people to actually sort of meet uh, mm -hmm. a, a royal highness princess is it's quite a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So in terms of uh, your sort of marketing channels that you use just now, do you, what's been the most effective for you or, or has it mostly been word of mouth and through context or do you actually do sort of any sort of online marketing? Um, or it's all been word of mouth. Um, 
partly that that's how we that's how we 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 really wanted it to work, mm -hmm. but also for another very good reason, and that is that when we set up the business, and it was really me because Charlie's off doing his whiskey and um, you know travel travels mm -hmm. a huge amount. I had a fairly fundamental uh, understanding of the, of the whiskey industry and um, a great affection for the hospitality industry, but in the middle there's business, mm -hmm. and I. I'm very good at filling bottles of whiskey and changing nappies and all that kind of stuff, but didn't really have any understanding of how to even make a spreadsheet. So there was quite a steep learning curve. And um, once the the company started to, to sort of um, bring in money, uh, the, the priorities were really to get an accountant first, because that's absolutely the thing that I needed the most help with. Um, and marketing's always been quite sort of, low on my list of priorities and I know that's not right but it's just the way it's been there have been other higher priority um, requirements for the business mm -hmm. and and then the word of mouth thing just sort of slow I mean I wouldn't say snowballed but very slowly sort of builds up and builds up and builds up mm -hmm. to the point where we've never quite got to the point where we think right what should we do next let's do some marketing because we mm -hmm. need to bring in more business. That's a good position to be in. It's a really good position and it's it's probably one of the challenges of a small business is that that growth between fulfilling mm -hmm. uh, the, the requirements of the business with um, with the demands of the business. That's a really difficult balance for a small business and and one that we're we're still sort of getting where we don't turn much business away. We don't say no to very many inquiries because they're all you know they're all word of mouth so they're all the right Inquiries, but so, so it's a really it's a really fine line to yeah. be to be walking. Excellent. No, I like that. No, I like that. So before I move over to the, the questions in the floor, um, my last question would be: What's the sort of future for McLean and Bruce? What do you see happening over the next year, two years, three years? What do you think is going to be future? I think um, the 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 business model we we decided very early days we were never going to be a scale business we were never going to, to look for volume um, we're always going to be quality over quantity so I don't think we'll, we'll ever scale up significantly but what what we really will do is continue to consolidate our position at the luxury end of the the whiskey uh, tourism market which is very niche um, and and we're already you know we're already probably um, the, the only, if not the main, people doing that. I don't really know many other people who are doing exactly what we do. Um, I think one of, from a personal point of view, something that somebody said to me a while ago really scared me. And was that, but you are the business. And I was like, oh shit! <laughs> if I am the business, then what's the future of the business? Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you sell or retire or? do any sort of extracting yourself. So actually, everything we do in terms of looking to the future, we do with a view to me being able to to take a step back from the mm -hmm. business because you know it started on the, the back of a fag packet and for a long time that fag packet was in my back pocket and, and now you know we've come a long way since then. Um, but we've got to look to the, the sort of sustainability of the mm -hmm. business as, as an independent entity and not as an extension of me. Yeah. So... Um, I think we're, we're, we're also just going to allow the business to develop organically. So, for an example, what I was saying about 
our suppliers then becoming clients, that's a really good example of something that we didn't go out looking for. It just sort of, it just evolved. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we'll just allow it to, to sort of continue to evolve and, and, and see where it takes us, really. Um, yeah, I think. Just keep, keep a little bit of mystery, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't really know. So, um, no, but we do, we do, we do sort of know. But not really. <laughs> Does anyone have any questions for Vicky? Oh, yep. Yeah. George, do you want? Um, what's the most sort of requested bespoke experience? <laughs> um, the, the diving for scallops was quite a good one. That was quite a good one. And actually, what I didn't tell this lady, because she was, um, she, was, she was very, 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 very perfect, and I thought it would just be a disaster, is that... And this is an example of if you, if you live in, in, in a country for a long time, you get to know its kind of quirks and things, is that I do know on the west coast of Scotland, I do know a pier where they bring the scallops in and they sit and they go, no, no, no. <laughs> and it's at the end of the pier. And it's about 40 feet deep of crystal clear water. An awful lot of scallops. So I thought that was it. She also wanted to, um, same lady, she wanted to ride bareback gallop up forced down St Andrew's Beach, and she'd never ridden before, so that was sort of managed to persuade her that we didn't have time for that. Um, so I can't think what else we get asked to do that's particularly weird and wonderful. Um, how rude am I allowed to be? Oh, you'd be as rude as you Oh, right, brilliant, okay. So, <laughs> wait, I, I learned of my very first booking was actually 10 golfers from South Korea. And they, they had a, a round of golf, and they said, oh, any chance for a massage? And I was like, well, sure, we can arrange a massage. And that's sort of phoning people in Edinburgh, sort of, you know, therapy people. And then their driver phoned me, he was like, stop, 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 stop. They want a massage with a happy ending. Like, oh, I've never heard of such a thing before. <laughs> that was quite a weird one as well. Wow. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Any other questions would follow that one up? Can <laughs> Any other questions? Oh, you're all shy today. No? Oh, Jessica's going. So very topical at the moment. You'd kind of hinted on it there with the coronavirus making some changes to your business. Um, from where you're currently sitting, which is I'm sure uh, a little bit ambiguous. What steps or what things has it kind of taught you or where are you gonna go next with your steps to try and um, mitigate these types of scenarios in the future? It's a, it is a really good question. Um, I think we're, we're very, first of all, we're very fortunate with the coronavirus with our clients because they have postponed and not canceled. So I think probably a lot of people have got that to deal with and actually today we had one of them come back and say we want to give you a deposit to come back at the end of April um, so it's it's been slightly annoying because it's pushed all of our bookings mm. forward so we're going to have a bit of a crush going on in, in June and July and actually we, we like to spread out because we, we take great care of our clients we like to spread them out and not have lots of people here at, at, at any one time so it's going to cause a bit of congestion for us in peak season anyway um, and I think we, we really need to look at other markets and and one of one of our routes to market is um, is through an, uh, an organization who've got it's a bit like the travel massive actually mm -hmm. it's got sort of 
branches all over the world, and to kind of maybe go out and see them and speak to them and maybe take Charlie out and do a whiskey tasting and actually to go to North America and um, Canada and show face. We probably would never do the, the well, I wouldn't say never, we probably won't go down the, the big travel show route. Mm. Um, we're doing Expo for the first time this year, so it'll be interesting to see what that throws up and I'm sure that will give us new connections in, in new markets. Um, so, yeah, I think the whole kind of keep not putting all your eggs in one basket is really what springs to mind. And I think North America's are really, being married into the Bruce family, North America's are really natural mm-hmm. thing. Because we've got Robert the Bruce's sword at home. So people quite like that. Oh, well. But, well, I don't. But it's something. <laughs> <laughs> <Parents love> me. <laughs> well, I can't thank you enough for your time. Thank it's you so much for pleasure. having me. It's very nice no, to be thank here. You. Can everyone thank please you. give a massive thank you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.